When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I found my way back to a higher ground Yeah, I just want to feel alive Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King uh, Hello everyone, welcome along to Higher Ground this Wednesday night 30, It's the last day, well, is this the last day of winter? Is the last day of winter. Well, that's good because things are hotting up. Certainly in the rugby league season, great to have your company on SEN 1170 in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane. Good evening to our friends north of the Tweed and on 1620 on the Gold Coast as well. And, of course, via the SEN app across the world. If you'd like to join in on the show, we'd love to have your company. The open line open for business this evening, one three hundred zero one eleven seventy, And the text line 0457... 736-736-0457-736-736. Flickers a text about anything going on in the world of sports. Simon McLaughlin is back on deck tonight. He's the deputy sports editor of the Daily Telegraph. He'll be along shortly to have a look at tomorrow's back pages. as a ton making news. And, of course, the Mad Russian is here to keep us entertained as well. Well, the final round gets underway tomorrow night in the National Rugby League. It will have significant bearings on the makeup of the final outs eight. So let's just have a look at the, the possible permutations ahead of round 25. So Penrith, we know they're in first, 42 points. A mile out in front, the differential 336. And they got the Cowboys away. So the Cowboys at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. So can't be anything other than first minor premiers. And uh, they are resting, what, 12 players? 12 players. Mitch Kenny will be captain. I see a lot of people have complained about this. Oh, I'm thinking too bad. They've earned it. They are too good. They've earned that luxury. And if I'm a Cowboys fan, well, you're most likely going to win that game. You should win that game because you need to if you still want to crack at second and then put the pressure on Cronulla to have to beat Newcastle, which you think they will. They're in second at place at the moment on 36 points. Cronulla, they got Newcastle at home. So the worst they can finish is third, but you can't see them losing to the Knights. All they have to do is to beat the Knights to finish in second and earn themselves that home final in North Queensland, currently in third, 34. We've talked about them. They need to beat Penrith, which you assume they would because it's basically their edgy side, and then hope that Cronulla lose. Now, Melbourne in fourth place at the moment on 32. A massive game tomorrow night, Combank Stadium against Parramatta. Parramatta know how to beat this side. If they win, they are fourth. If Parramatta win, they are fourth. Are they in better form than Parramatta? I would say yes, slightly. Slightly. And Parramatta are in fifth at the moment. If they win, as we said, they finish fourth. If they lose, well, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs will take fifth from them because they have an inferior differential to both South Sydney and the Roosters. So if they lose Parramatta, they'll probably go to sixth. And then... They'll give up, well, if they're sixth, they'll play a home final. But this is the team that would have been eyeing off a top four finish for the bulk of the year. So best case fourth, worst place sixth. The Roosters on 30 points at the moment. As I said, their, their differential Sydney Roosters, 191. Paramount is only 111. And they've got the huge game at Allianz Stadium. They're going to christen that against the Bunnies on Friday night. So they can't get a top four berth. After Parra won in round 24. But if they beat the Bunnies, they can claim fifth if the Eels lose to Melbourne. Otherwise, they'll remain sixth even if they knock over the Bunnies. If they lose, they can slip to seventh. For what it's worth, I think they'll finish fifth. I think they'll finish fifth. Oh, I have a feeling Melbourne, it's going to be close. There'll be a couple of points in it. I think they might beat Parramatta if they do. That's fourth for Melbourne. Fifth for the Roosters if they beat the Rabbitohs, which I think they will. That means Parramatta likely six in South Sydney in seventh. Then you've got Canberra, 28 points, looking pretty much safe in eighth spot because they got the Tigers at Leichhardt. I mean, stranger things have happened, of course. All they've got to do is beat the Tigers and they'll know by Sunday how Brisbane are gone. So the Broncos, though. So the Broncos have to win by more than 43 to bring forward against into the equation. Well, that's not going to happen. They've got to play the Dragons. And if they win, they're not going to win by 43 points. So they've pissed away that 
leave. They had all that, that differential in the bank and it's just disappeared. 113 points have conceded in, what, two weeks. Just remarkable. Just remarkable. So what Brisbane, best case scenario for the Broncos, uh, they played the Dragons at Congra. They win, and then that puts the pressure on Canberra to win their game against the Tigers. That's all I can hope for. But as it stands, Brisbane going to be ninth. 0457. 736-736. Just tidying up some other news in the National Rugby League. The Telegraph are saying that the Newcastle pair of Kale and Ponga, Kurt Mann, they've both avoided sanction from the NRL over this toilet cubicle incident. It's going to haunt you, doesn't it, for the rest of your professional career? We know the story now. They were filmed leaving a toilet cubicle at a Newcastle hotel earlier this month. A member of the public snapped them. So the Knights and the NRL launched an investigation into the matter. Well, NRL sources today confirmed that the head office had opted to take no action against either player. Uh, it's unclear at the moment whether Newcastle will adopt the same stance. As part of the investigation, uh, the NRL undertook target drug testing of the pair. Now, they both denied any wrongdoing. And the story goes that Kurt Mann accompanied Caelan Ponga to the toilet because he was feeling sick. It was a bit of speculation that Caelan might lose the captaincy over the incident. Uh, that's not going to happen. But you'd have to think that that's got to be the end of it, doesn't it? We can assume that. They weren't caught with anything. So, yeah, on the surface, it's a bad look. Why are two Newcastle players emerging from a toilet cubicle? Because people put two and two together. They will draw their own conclusions from that. They weren't caught with anything. You say, well, he's a captain. He's been concussed. He's in rehab. What's he, out? What's he doing out in the drink? Apart from celebrating the purchase of a new house, according to his dad. You know, not a great look, sure. Not the worst crime in the world either. So you can imagine now Peter Parr has only just got his feet under the desk there at the Knights. He's trying to tidy up the culture of the place. They'll get a stern talking to and a wag of the finger and you know, they'll say, well, this is what's expected from you as a Newcastle ambassador and I think we move on. Now to the US Open. Did you catch any of this this morning? Rinky Hidjakata. And I thought it's just one of those cool names you like to say. He's a good player. Don't sleep with this kid. He's only 21. He made the joke. So when he plays drop shots at the net, are they called Rinky Dinks? Rinky hit Jakarta, and it was a tall order. Arthur Ashe, he was on against uh, the most winning uh, men's tennis player of all time, certainly for majors, Rafael Nadal. And he won the first set, Rinky. Eventually went down 6-4, uh, Sorry, 2 6 3 six. Uh, So it was still a, a pretty decent effort, and that's a memory that will last with him forever. Jason Kubler went... Down, uh, sorry, that match suspended against uh, Mikhail Weimer. Then you got Alexi Popper, and he was up against Seng Chun Hin, and he won 6 3, 7 6, 7 6. Uh, Jamie Forrest, uh, unfortunately, went down 6 3, 6 2 in the women's singles. And another All Aussie affair off the back of the special case, Kyrgios Kokonakis, was James Duckworth, too good for Chris O'Connell, 4 6, 7 6, 6 2, and 6 3. I tell you what, there were a ton of upsets. A ton of upsets. What about this? I'm looking at the women's. So we know Sitsipas bowed out in the men's. Is he overrated, Sitsipas? I think so. Pretender, that bloke. Defending champion Emirata Kanu, Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka, and the Wimbledon champion Rabakina. All gone. All gone. It is wide open. Can you see? I don't know. Is this paving the way for one last hurrah for Serena? It was a bit bizarre, first round match. They had this big presentation afterwards, like she'd lost the game. I said, she hasn't lost yet. Are they going to do that every round? I don't know. I don't know. Huge crowds and huge numbers, and not surprisingly, too. Can you imagine this? Just picture this. Serena v. Venus. Both of them retire. They've played together in finals before. I'm not sure Venus will make it that far. In fact, I'm not sure Serena will make it that far. But stranger things have happened. I remember when Sampras retired. Beat Agassi in the final and just never heard of again and rode off into the distance. Just looking at the schedule, Aussies in action, day three. We've got the 18th seed, Alex Dimonor, against uh, Christian Garin. This is the men's second round, the uh, the Chilean, who had a pretty good Wimbledon too, if you recall. That's on court five. Oh, just on Alex Dimonor, I read that, you know, they, they do this thing. They do it at Wimbledon. They do special guests in their box. So Serena had all the former president, Bill Clinton, all these big names, who incidentally was still president when she won her first US in 1999. Uh, if that gives you a clear indication of the longevity of Serena's career. And they said, a guest in Alex D. Menor's box today is the singer Seal. I go, what? So, uh, I just, like, what? And I, for one, am very curious as to the, the origins of that relationship now. 
How did Alex Demon all come to know Seal? Are they mates? Maybe they'll do it. So I don't know. Maybe he just uh, he watched the voice. I'm not really sure, but I just thought it was very very funny. So Seal was a guest in Alex Demonor's box. I know Pat Rafter was very good friends with um, singer songwriter Ben Harper. So I know Patty Rafter's good mates with Benny Harper. But I want to explore more further. Or by me wanting, I mean somebody else can dig into this. Uh, the relationship between Seal and Alex Demonor. Jason Kubler uh, picks up that suspended game uh, against Mikhail Weimer. Uh, Nick Kyrgios takes on Benjamin Bonzi from France. And you've got uh, Jordan Thompson. Uh, what a comeback, too, from Jordan Thompson. Round one takes on Daniel Ilahi Galan from Colombia. And Isla Tomlanovic will take on uh, Evgenia Rodina. Now, in the cricket, well done to the Australians of Hammond Zimbabwe by eight wickets. This is in the second ODI. It was this beautiful new ball spell from Mitch Stark. This is at the Riverway Stadium in Townsville. Think about Starkey. His first over looked garbage. Spraying them all over the place, but pretty much every delivery from that point looked like it was a wicket taker, and that's what I love about watching him bowl. It's pretty compelling stuff. Uh, um, Zimbabwe roll for ninety six and just well, under thirty overs, under twenty eight overs, as a matter of fact. That was their lowest completed ODI score against Australia. So the Aussies now take an unassailable two nil series lead. Uh, yeah, Stark and Hazelwood far too strong for them, but it's interesting these Finchy missed out again. So he'll be picked in the T20 squad, which is going to be named very, very shortly. But, you know, he's, I know he's the captain, Aaron Finch, but I think it was Kim Hughes had said on, might have been the ABC's coverage, his footwork's gone. He just doesn't have it now to succeed consistently at that level anymore. And I love Aaron Finch. He's a ripper bloke and he's, he's a great player in his day, but I don't know. I don't know. But they're loath to change a winning side. 0457 736 736. And, of course, the big news that broke overnight, uh, that being the defection of Cameron Smith, to live golf, we'll have a bit more to say about that. Suffice to say, I'm disappointed. Very disappointed. It is hard to turn down that money, no doubt. No doubt, but I'm not sure people are fully across what live is. I'm not sure live knows what live is and how they're going to look in about three, four, five years' time. It's certainly an existential threat, but is the PGA Tour bigger than any one player? Uh, with the exception of Tiger Woods, I would say the answer to that question is yes. 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. Well, he's fresh off a mid-season jaunt of the Northern Territory. I think he's, his life goal, he's pretty sure he told me, is to feature somehow prominently in the NT News. I'm not sure that happened, but Simon McLaughlin, good evening to you. Oh, good day, Jules. No, I didn't feature in the NT News. You didn't. Um, you didn't but... shove a, a cracker up your clacker. <laughs> no, I saw a lot of crocodiles though, uh, which was part of the reason I went up there, and it's a spectacular part of the world. And I believe that might even be your old part of the world. Yeah, a long, long time ago, mate. I went to primary school. I lived in Darwin. I went to right, St Mary's Primary School there, smack bang in the heart of the city, just on, um, just yeah, just down from the Smith Street Mall. And uh, Dad lived there. Yep. See, Mum and Dad separated, so Dad stayed in Darwin. We used to head back there and, and visit him. But so I, I love it as a city. It's, it's funny, isn't it? You go there, and it's it is the capital of the Northern Territory. But compared to Sydney, it is a very small city. You know, it's tiny. There's it nothing is. to do the joint. It is. It's spreading out. It's, population wise, a little bit bigger than I thought. But uh, it's. I remember Kerry O'Keefe said the world's most boring job is being a Darwin weatherman. Six months of the year, top of 32. Other six months of the year, top of 32, late shower. Yeah, and humid, that's right. uh, (laughs) That's certainly the case when I was there, it was 32 every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, How did you eat any crocodile? I did. I tried little bits of it. It um, really depends on how it's prepared. I I think um, cooking it. Cooking the absolute crap out of it's probably uh, the way to go. But it actually had a, a reasonably large, probably about a four-metre crocodile, kind of regurgitate part of its breakfast on me um, from close range. Uh, I went on one of those boat trips where they had the chickens off the side. Yeah, and, I did one of those. And, uh, they're messy. Yeah, yeah. So that, I did mine on, going back a while now, on the South Alligator River. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if that, yes. And so they just hang this big chunk off them. Boom, this thing comes flying out of the water. <laughs> Yeah, mate, yeah. it's 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 menacing stuff. I got to say, but you know, you're proud. We're proud of our, our killer wildlife here in this country. Absolutely, yeah. it was it was it was a great experience. Loved it. Yeah, it's uh, you know the thing is it's oh, it's probably a, a bit chicken, a bit fish, isn't it? Would you say crocodile meat? Um, it's been a long time since I had it, but 
And that is a that's a really good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, some people say lobster, but that's not true at all. But um, uh, look, it's probably not my my favourite mm. uh, mm. choice, especially when you're seeing so many of them up close and and live. You just start imagining them when you see it on your plate, and it's. They're not the most attractive animal. No, that, that that is true. The only reason I order crocodiles <laughs> is to say to the waiter, I'll have a crocodile and make it snappy. Boom, Tish. So uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. to uh, more pressing <laughs> issues, let's see what is making news tomorrow. Uh, Tyson Gamble um, has revealed uh, who his go-to man is when he needs uh, footy advice. Yeah, look, this is a really interesting story. The, the Broncos sort of spiralling down at the end of the season. Tyson Gamble, who's off to the Newcastle Knights, uh, we know, has sort of revealed that Kevin Walters is not the guy that the players turn to um, as a sort of a mastermind of, of Brisbane. It's actually Adam Reynolds. A really, really um, sort of staggering admission. He says, Kevin's the coach, but Reynolds is the go-to man for everyone. Um, if you've got a question about footy or the team, you go to Reynolds. It's not a knock on Kev, but Reynolds has been around for so long. Kevy understands footy and he's a good bloke, but the modern day is so different to the way Kevy played footy. Uh, Reno is the mastermind of our attack. So I find that a staggering thing for a player to say. I know he's on the way out, but Kevin Walters has actually brought him back in for this absolute must-win game for the Broncos. It sort of sounds like cricketer speak, doesn't it, where... The captain's the one given primacy, which is very different to a team environment like a foot, football side. But, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that he would say that? Um, yeah, Even if he thought it, that he would be so candid mm. about that publicly while he's still pulling on the Broncos jersey and there's still a, a chance of playing finals football, I found a, a little curious, I've got to say. Um, yeah. You know, and if you're Kevin Walters, how do you feel about that? Well, look, Kev, I think he's – I don't think he's ever claimed to be an alpha male. He's – Probably not even that most alpha in his family, but um, hmm. he—I'm not sure how it sit with him. It's probably he'd probably have to agree with it. Um, I, it. Kev doesn't seem to be a style of coach that demands. He's not a um, dictator or anything like that. But it's—it's it's just just given what's been going on at the club, it's just a really strange look. The other factor that we've got on um, Kevin Walters tomorrow is that he, I think his manager has been pretty keen to push a contract extension as soon as possible. Mm. And the club's actually said, hey, uh, let's just see if we make the finals before we start talking contract extensions. And of course, they're, well, I've got to say outsiders to to make the final, given um, they've got to beat the Dragons. and um, Yeah, become the final. And, and, and hope Canberra lose. Yeah. And yeah. hope Canberra lose. So, um yeah, look, they've done. They only got seven wins last year, and they're on thirteen at the moment, which is, you know, a, a substantial improvement. We've actually got a report card on every team, uh, end of season report mm. card. And we did the same thing in the middle of the season, and so the Broncos have sort of been downgraded from an A down to a C um, on that report card. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably a good call from Broncos boss Dave Donaghy to be putting contract extension talks on hold um, because next year Kevin Walters might be, um, you know, he's, he's got one, one year left there and then, you know, if they don't make the finals again, then maybe he doesn't uh, stay. Yeah, I think that's probably reasonable. You know, their, their past few weeks have been disappointing, no question, but, you know, when the dust settles, you reflect on the year. I, I think Brisbane have exceeded everybody's expectations, you know, firmly entrenched in, in the eight or even the four for, for the bulk of the season. And, yeah, the wheels have come off, but uh, you can't tell me off the back of this experience that, you know, Selwyn Cobbo and, and Ezra Mam and, and and a handful of these sorts of really good young blokes are, are, aren't going to be better for the run. As we saw the improvement in Carrigan, right? He was there from, from a little mm. earlier than the other two. And so if they're on the same kind of a trajectory, then they're only going to get better, uh, provided Renault can stay fit, of course. Now, uh, this is going to be – are you going out tomorrow night to Allianz Stadium, by the way? Unfortunately, I'm running the uh, – I will not be able to, no. I would love to be able to uh, be go nice to Allianz. Yeah. Uh, I'd only go yeah. for the, the women's grand final replay between the Dragons and the Roosters and then just head home after that, beat the traffic, you know what I mean? But <laughs> – uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it is their home ground. It's a home ground of a number of teams, mind you. But Nick Politis is certainly marking out his territory. Oh, yeah. Look, this is 
this is a story that's been bubbling along for weeks now. Um, actually, months, I remember the Telegraph was the first story that had the sort of the roosters saying to the rabbitos, back off, um, this is our home ground. So Nick Politis has, has kind of repeated the, the dose in pretty blunt fashion uh, just a couple of days away from that big game between the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. And he said, um, you know, we, um, that we've heard other people say they want to play because it's there, because it's their home. And, of course, when he says other people, he means South Sydney. Uh, and he says, the point is, we've been there since 1928 started with the old sports ground and then 30 <laughs> years at the old Alliance. So no no one else is allowed to call it home. And, and just to hammer home the point, the Roosters who've got a 25-year uh, agreement to play at the stadium insisted on having the big uh, sign um, posted at the northern end of the ground mm. saying, home of the Sydney Roosters. So there's absolutely no doubt um, that... Who, what the Roosters are thinking about all this, but the Rabbitohs are still adamant that they want to get out of their deal out at Homebush and make um, Allianz their new ground. Now, I know that this is a bit of a source of contention with uh, South fans, but um, there's an interesting, you know, some who, who think that the centre of South Sydney fandom is actually in Western Sydney and some who think it's more traditionally around Redfern, but um, I thought Brayson Astor on um, NRL 360 tonight was interesting. He's you know, always lived in that sort of Maroubra, Coogee mascot area, and mm. he reckons that that's the true centre of South Sydney's fans. Yeah. So he he thinks they should be an LA. I think so. You know, they they built this brand new shiny stadium, and they should try and get more tenants in it than just the Roosters and Sydney FC, albeit in a different season. You know, and the other thing there with, with that, I mean, and we last time we spoke, I think Simon, you said that you know there there are elements of the government that don't want them to or don't want a core stadium rather to lose a tenant for fear of that venue becoming a a white elephant white elephant yeah, yeah. that's right yeah well and look i think the point is most people think it is like that anyway um true so you know look it's 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 a bigger venue so why why can't you have your grand finals and your really big finals games mm. out there and you have your big club games at allianz yes yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, the venues New South Wales as well, didn't they merge with the SCG Trust? So they're, you know, we're all one big happy family yeah. now. So they're technically not in competition mm. with each other. You know, so we got the better venue. That's we right, got the yeah. better venue. Now, we, well, I touched upon Cam Smith, my opener. As I said, I have a bit more to say about that. But uh, you got a column tomorrow mm. by, by Robert Allenby uh, addressing this issue. Yes, there's a controversial Robert Allenby yes. who uh, a lot of people might not have thought too much about since. Um, he had an unfortunate night out in Hawaii, I think it was. Um, the run-up, yeah, Robert Allenby's penned a, a really interesting column um, in the wake of Ken Smith's defection to live golf. And look, he's he's critical of Cameron Smith. He's not critical of Mark Leishman or Phil Mickelson or Lee Westwood because he says they're past their prime. Mm. You know, what more were they going to achieve? Cam Smith, however, is 29, prime, and he thinks that moving to live golf means that he'll never be able to uh, the world number one, and he fears that the moves of um, the likes of McElroy and Tiger Woods to sort of working behind the scenes to block anyone from live golf from playing in um, majors or ever returning to the PGA Tour yeah. um, means that Cam Smith, who, you know, I, I think... Um, is a lock would have been a lock in to be a world number one at some point. Uh, he'll never achieve those those aims. And look, Allenby's got a really interesting interesting perspective on Greg Norman because they were very close when you know it was Allenby who was, was probably the best golfer we had. Um, and he'd said that um, when he turned pro, Greg Norman actually gave him some strong advice. He said, "Go to Europe, learn your game." And when you've nailed it, go to the US and the PGA Tour is the pinnacle. And as Robert Allenby says in his column, so was everything he told me when I was 21 complete bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's it's, um, well. it's it questions Norman's motives, wonders if it's all just sour grapes over um, his own legacy and, and his failure to 
get a, a rival tour up and running beforehand. So I, I think so. Oh, I, I, I think that's we've heard. Yeah, yeah, that's a key mm. factor in it. You know, all this talk about you know the, this is just the PR of Liv is they're about growing the game and. and Breaking the stranglehold that the PGA Tour has over global golf, but don't don't think that this is anything more. Well, it's a couple of things. Certainly, it's a sports washing exercise. Secondly, uh, this yeah. is his pet vengeance project, Rick Norman, and, and a lot of people yeah. that played with him, uh, Wayne Grady as well. You had pretty strong comments. People that have known Greg for fifty years have been pretty much in agreement that Greg is about Greg. And mm. he is determined to bring the PGA Tour down. Yeah. And now Robert Allenby saying Look, something I'm, similar. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Look, it's a really interesting and it's a complicated story. Um, Robert Craddock's written something that's also in the paper tomorrow, yeah. talking about how there's a little bit, of, a fair bit of hypocrisy involved in um, Cameron Smith's critics. Um, he talks about how the FedEx Cup, which Rory McIlroy just collected huge bucks from winning FedEx actually is a company that injects $550 million into the Saudi Arabian economy. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 there's probably very few people who can claim to be perfectly pure in all of this scenario. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, it doesn't make it right though. You know, this is a thing. Mm. I mean, I do business with the FedEx, but I'm on opting into, you know, to the public purse of, this Saudi regime, you know, this is a thing. It's mm. I, I don't have an issue with engagement with Saudi Arabia. Sport, I think, is a vehicle for change. But as long as you can agitate for that change and use your celebrity as a golfer as leverage to, to make it a better place, this is the problem. I, I don't see that happening here. And that's why it doesn't sit mm. comfortably with me. But we could talk all night. You know, people get pretty heated about this kind of stuff. There's a lot of I told you so and a lot of whataboutism, uh, you know, and I don't think it's going to end anytime mm. soon. And, you know, the other thing, too, before I let you go, we see breakaway tools and, and, and rebel leagues and competitions starting it. We've, we've had a few on our own shores. Eventually, after too long, they come back together, don't they? they, they the establishment and, and the yeah, breakaway right. group smoke the peace pipe. I, I don't know if that's going to happen in the immediate future when it comes to the PGA Tour, when it comes to Live. Uh, PGA might be the, the US-centric one, and Live might just say, we'll focus on the rest of the world. I don't know if they'll ever come back together. Uh, they might, and I hope they do. Because I don't think it's great for golf, but you know, I guess we'll wait and see. But at the moment, there just seems far too far too much animosity between the two to, to see any degree of reconciliation. Uh, I think in, in the next five ten years. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, there, there, and there doesn't seem to be. We haven't heard anything about a long term plan for Live Golf either. So. Yeah, yeah. They they say there is one. You know, it's not a bottomless pit forever. They they want a business model that's sustainable. But uh, you know, we will watch and wait. All right, mate. Thank you. Great to have you back. And uh, we'll catch those stories. I'm really looking forward to Allenby's column. We'll check that out in uh, Daily Telegraph tomorrow. Cheers, Jules. Talk there, to you next week. There he is, Simon McLaughlin. Very generous with his time, uh, telling us and giving us the lay of the land and letting us know what is on the back pages of tomorrow's Daily Telegraph. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. You're on high ground. Great to have your company this Wednesday night. Got a few texts coming through on 0457 736 736. My good man, the mad Russian Malchi, lasting of our team, must be devastated. The passing passing of Mikhail Gorbachev. I'll get his thoughts on that tonight. We'll do agree to disagree very shortly. 0457 736 736. Bonai Jack, good evening to you, my friend. Uh, Why is there no journo who will stand up and say to Annesley, the public perception is that the match review committee is broken? and diseased. It's time for you, Anno, to remove Luke Patton and storm Steve Turner and fix it. Where are the press orchestrated outcomes and Woodstock and G failed to act on Nelson, Munster and the Grub Kafusi, then trade places for an 8-1 penalty count the Souths and the 11-man finish. Cheers, Bond. <laughs> Always with passion. I think plenty have spoken out. It will certainly question the decisions or lack thereof of the match review committee, particularly to around the, the big Nelson incident, which saw couple of cracked teeth to Wade Egan. We had that bizarre situation where Luke Patton came out, actually recorded himself giving an explanation, which was unprecedented. And then we had me, when I, I remember too, Bondi Jack, I was filling in for Matt White on the morning show. We had Michael Butin, who was a former member of the match review committee, and basically said, well, that's wrong. There was clear contact. And he spat his teeth out. So there, you know, make of that what you will.
Bondi Jack. But suffice to say that, yeah, some people have spoken out about it. Uh, Haas, good, af- good afternoon. Good evening to you, mate. You said Tiger will end up making over a billion from Nike, a company that has its products made in China on the back of a communist regime. Are we living in some kind of loony bin with the PGA, Golf Channel, Tiger, Rory and so on? Want us to believe they are coming from a place of leadership and superior ethical high ground on this? The hypocrisy is so ridiculous, even those that sided with the PGA at the start can no longer defend it. Ha ha. Wow. Uh, stern words, Huss. I take your point. And that's not dissimilar to the point that, uh, remember Simon McLaughlin earlier talked about the Crash Craddock article and you know, FedEx investing in Saudi Arabia. And then Greg Norman had said, well, what about some a number of Saudi companies are investing and sponsoring the PGA tour. And, and again, it returns to these cries of hypocrisy. The thing I'll say to that, though, Huss, is this. And you talk about Tiger and making business in China, and yes, they've got questionable human rights records. I, I understand all that. I get that, and they're valid points. But it's not a case of, by doing business, it's automatically some kind of tacit endorsement of a regime with questionable human rights records or murderous regimes for that matter. So you've got the United Nations, right? What they did, they created the what they call the, the guiding principles of business and human rights. So, so what that is, before you engage in business with these sorts of countries, you have to abide by these guidelines, states and companies and individuals uh, to make sure that whoever you're dealing with doing what they can to address it and remedy human rights abuses. And, and that you are not tacitly approving those sorts of things. So there are sort of structures and guidelines. And the key difference there between that and, say, Live, for example, and these guys are directly on the purse of the public investment fund. And like I said, I don't have an issue with engaging Saudi Arabia. There are functional aspects of Saudi democracy. If you want to play sport there or in China or do business with them, fine. But as long as you're able to leverage that celebrity that you have to agitate for change. And I don't see that here. I don't see that here. But it's an ongoing debate, and I thank you for your contribution tonight, Huss, 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. I noticed on socials today a bit of talk about Jaden Sill being very unhappy at the Dragons and asking them for relief. Ben Harris, uh, relief, well, yes, some relief. <laughs> Release, I should say. Ben Harris said, no, he's never asked us. First I've heard of it, not aware of it. Then Brent Reid tweeted, well, spoke to the Dolphins. and said he's never come up. We've never spoken to Jaden Sill. never mentioned his name. So make of that what you will. Say where there's smoke, there's fire. So watch this space. The Dolphins now in the market for quality back rower, rower, origin back rower, Jaden Sewer. I hope not. Good player. Disappointed if he walks out after one. If this is a thing, I mean, he would have sat down with Hook. Okay, because he doesn't feel he's developed his game. He would have sat down with him at the start of the year. So this is what we're going to do. If you don't like it, well, then suck it up and see it, your contract, pal. There's too many. I don't like it. I want to leave. I mean, come on. Deal with it. Rocky, hello, mate. Jules, nothing riles me more than Roosters fans claiming refs are against them. Can you name me a club that doesn't think a ref's against them? That's my only counter-argument. Here we go. Oh, we get rorted by the refs here. Some poor calls on Friday, no doubt, but every time there's a decision that doesn't go their way, we hear about it for the next week and a half. Get over yourselves. Love, Rocky. <laughs> Emotions are running high at this time of the year. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. You know what, uh, our friend and colleague, Nathan Brooks, Brooksy, who produces The Run Home with Joel and Fletch, I saw him tweet today, he said, you know, more to think about it. I think it's wrong that the Panthers rest so many players, and I thought, I wonder if it's going to be a agree to disagree topic tonight. But now oh. I'm hoping it's not. Uh, no, it's actually not, Jules. Yes. Uh, nice to be with you. And I just Oh, hello, by the way. Yeah. Yes, hello. Nice to be with you. Hello to the listeners. I'd just like to say I concur with Rocky. I think that's a fantastic text. Mm. I don't know what it is about Roosters fans. I'm just waiting they... for Mondo Jack to reply. Yeah, well, they, they do tend to <laughs> keep on with it a bit longer than some other clubs. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay, number one. Yes. We should have all these games this weekend being played at the same time. Concurrent uh, kickoffs. Okay, can we change that to I would like to see that? I don't know if we should, but I like the idea. Hang on, concurrent kickoffs. So it would be a nightmare for the broadcasters. Right. What it? But I think it would be pretty exciting, though, wouldn't it? Mm. You know why? Because I'm a bit of a nostalgist when it comes to things like that. Do you re- I remember I'm old enough down. I remember listening to the radio. They, every Sunday, 3 mm. o'clock kickoff, around the grounds, Belmore Oval, Bulldog 6, Sharks nil. Mm. You know, Brookvale, 
Manly 12, South Sydney 7, you know, 6 or whatever. And they go, oh, how was this? And you didn't know what was happening the mm. other games. It was pretty cool. I just think it improves the integrity of the competition. And I think it gives you something different in terms of entertainment value that you'd only get once a year. And it could be turned into a very good TV product if it was directed, produced, shot as, as, as we see in other major competitions globally, right? Mm. So the Premier League do it. Yeah, NFL do it. You know the other thing it does? What's it that? hides the shit that is coming up this week. That is and true. And there is a lot of it. The Bulldogs yeah. and the Seagulls, mm. the Warriors and the Titans, the Knights. I mean, the Knights-Sharks game, okay. Well, that, yeah, that has an impact the on way, the If the Raiders, you know, the Raiders game, the Raiders game would be completely improved by it's a concurrent kickoff because the there's a game, very, yeah. very, very good chance that, that four o'clock game at Leichhardt Oval on Sunday is going to mean absolutely nothing. The Raiders are going to be in. They're going to do the same thing the Panthers are doing this weekend and rest Correct. 13 of their players. Yeah, possibly. So if the Dragons beat the Broncos and the Raiders are home, right? That's what mm. you're saying. So it'll be a bit of a fizzer. There is a lot of rubbish there this weekend that could mm. be nicely secluded, hidden away, while we got the excitement of the you know, three ding, or four ding, games ding me for a, Ding me for an agree. Oh, there, we, there go. we go. Ding me for an agree. Okay, gotcha. number two. Australia will not win the 2020 World Cup on home soil. Oh, that. Oh. I know it's very positive. I'm trying to be uplifting and upbeat on a Wednesday, but I don't think we're going to. I mean, it, I T20 cricket is, especially T20 international cricket, is, so, well, is such a lottery. Mm. Uh, so how could you possibly know? I didn't one think they'd win the last one. I think anybody thought they'd win the last one. Mm. Uh, I will say, what was the question again? They will not. Agree. I don't think they'll win. Yeah, I, agrees. Wow. Who will? I'm not sure yet. I need to look at the full. No one's been at scintillating T24. No. Ever, so. Well, they don't play together enough. That's mm, the other that's thing. Good. You don't see international well, T20 cricket Well, India are chopping and changing. I mean, England have gone off the boil a bit. New um, Zealand? Yeah, could be. Maybe. Trent Bolt Maybe. is flying well, Colin DeGrand's home got to play. He's retired yeah. from the national cricket. That's a huge mm. loss for them. They lure him out of retirement. Yeah. Jimmy Neesham's pretty T20 specialist, yeah. And you Colin Munro. Mm. Good player too. Okay, over to the U.S. Open. Yeah. Carlos Alcaraz or Yannick Sinner will win a major before Alex Verev or Stefanos Tsitsipas. Agree. I Agree. Look at that. Yeah. Number three. I don't rate any of those players. No, neither do I. I think they're pretenders. I think the generation after Zverev, Tsitsipas, that sort of, that touted generation mm. that were meant to take over from Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, I think the generation after them, are actually going to take over from... It's so hard to be, to have to step out of that shadow. Because even Absolutely. if you're a th- two, three, four slam guy, you're not a 20 slam guy. Right? Mm. So you're always kind of judged according. I mean, the benchmark is just so high, too high. Mm. Um, I, I don't think we'll see that again. Nick Kyrgios has had more success in majors this year than Tsitsipas or Zverev. Yeah. That's... Well, he beat Tsitsipas in Wimbledon, mm. uh, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, he might win the US Open. It's a pretty open tournament at the it moment. It is a very open. It's a very open it's tournament. Open, so, living oh, up look, to I, its name. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sinner's got a lot of upside. I mean, Alcaraz could be anything. Mm. Got a couple of Canadians that are pretty good too. So, yeah. I like that. Okay. Now, an emotional day for Russia and my native home. Hey, did you see that ad, the old Pizza Hut Gorbachev yes. ad that's been doing the rounds? So, or I'm old enough to remember that ad too. So, this is where I'm going. The better satire of... Gorbachev, so I'm pitting the Pizza Hut Gorbachev and the Naked Gun Gorbachev (laughs) together, and I'm siding on the Naked Gun Gorbachev as my favourite satire of the Russian Communist Party leader. Agree. But I'm a big fan of the Naked Gun films, of course. One of the great opening scenes in cinema history Mm. is the, basically, villain's of the world sitting around that round table yeah. before Leslie Nielsen comes in. Oh. <laughs> I think I love it. I mean, Leslie Nielsen's a comic genius, mm. but uh, they're all the Zucker Abrams films. So, and you know, Flying High was their oh. masterpiece. You know, Judd Apatow, um, I heard him say in an interview, it's, it's the perfect comedy. There are just mm. no flat spots in it. Mm. It's the first time we saw that kind of that deadpan delivery. Yeah. Lloyd Bridges, Leslie, they were serious actors. Lloyd Bridges yeah. was a Shakespearean actor. People only know him as a comedic actor now. They later was appeared in Hot Shots and that sort of stuff. But it was just, it was perfect. Police squad. And the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, fantastic. Roger Murdoch, an airplane. Yeah. yeah, Roger, Roger. <laughs> and finally, a world golf tour similar to the ATP 
WTA tours in tennis will result from this PGA live golf split yeah, I, look, divorce. I mean, it's Civil just war. it's so hard to know uh, the path that this is going to go down. We we just don't mm. know. We, we don't know. I like like I said a bit earlier. I suspect we might almost see like the PGA's got USA sewn up, mm. and Liv will say, "Forget about that, and let's focus on Europe." Because the DP World Tour is clearly not a part a fifty fifty partnership with the PGA, um, and even Australia for that matter. Mm. So why don't we make it a travelling roadshow? We'll tournaments through Europe and all through Asia and Australasia, and forget about the states. Mm. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I think this is a look. I think every rift is reconcilable, um, but at the moment, it's it's a pretty big rupture in the game. I'm worried. And this is a global sport issue more than just golf. It's very symptomatic of it. How comfortable or how normal sports washing in its purest sense is becoming. We're seeing mm. Newcastle United wearing Soft Saudi power, Arabia, right? Wearing yeah. Saudi Arabian colours as their Well, this is the thing. I mean, this is like what they do, just... right? Soft power. So they're trying to make themselves look attractive to attra- rather than and that's despotic. The issue I have. Despotic. That's the issue I have. Mm. This Qatar World Cup, and yes, there's been a lot of work done around that. We're still going to turn up there for a month. It's all going to be rosy and flowers, and someone's going to walk away from there with a trophy. And nothing. Yeah, but people are speaking out about, about it, and even again. players are speaking out about how they're not comfortable mm. with it. And this is the thing: if you, what's done is done, mm. but as long as you're still able to have that conversation, you're not silenced about the issues that you see in these countries, then there's progress to be had. Mm. So I'm not saying that you never, ever engage with Saudi Arabia or never play sport there ever again. Mm. You know, but if you go there, should you be allowed to protest? There's got to be. Yes. Mm. And at what point do you say, actually, we're not going here until this change is made? I mm. really like the approach the WTA have been very strong and stuck with. Peng Shui. Since the Peng Shui yeah. situation, which is ongoing. Yep. So I think there's there is a lot more sport could be doing in that space, but it doesn't seem we're going that way. It seems we're going the way the rest of business is going and we're just happy to have the money flowing in, which I have trouble with. It's like we're becoming uh, increasingly amoral. Yes. Uh, which is concerning. Or apathetic, and, which I think is almost Well, worse. yes, that, that is true too. But the thing, and we've seen the tone of this debate today, and I keep using this to come back to this term, what about is, and it's actually, it's not about getting to the truth of the matter. It's mm. about winning an argument, yeah. and there's a difference. Which is a problem in it itself. It is a problem. All right. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. been a pleasure disagreeing with Well, agreeing with you tonight, Jules. I don't think we had any disagreements. No, that's very unusual. We're a little bit too nice. A little bit too nice. Yeah, the penguin. There's Cameron Smith in our screen at the moment. Still rocks a good penguin shirt, doesn't he? 0457 736 736, the text line number. The open line's open too. If you're driving home tonight and you're bored, give us a call. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. You can chat about it. If you want, we can chat about flying high naked gun. Not enough hours left in the day. Uh, Bono Jack, uh, Jill, speaking of the proverbial cracker up the clacker, it is still uh, the gold standard, isn't it, for NT News headlines, I reckon. Why I stuck a cracker up my clacker. There was another one about defecation. And, you know, well, that's about the standard of the NT News, of course. Uh, your best advice to avoid using the expression rinky-dink in reference to rinky Hitchikata. Albeit dinky-dye vernacular is it. Uh, having rolled off my tongue for 12 hours now, the word dink apparently is derogatory reference to people of Asian appearance. So I wasn't aware of that, Bondi Jack. Well propagated by the 80s and 90s. Uh, Wave early ends and Sydney grammar boys post the Vietnam War. See, I, I'd never heard that before, uh, Jack. Uh, take this as you choose, tongue-in-cheek or otherwise. Woke, lefty, PC, social justice warriors may concoct a link yours. <laughs> Is it woke, lefty, PC stuff, though, Jack? Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I've not heard of it used in that manner, I have to say. Uh, thank you, mate. 0457 736 736. Now, just before we get to live golf. In fact, no, we'll talk about that now because it's been on my mind for a little bit. And it's been a, a pretty important theme throughout the course of the show tonight. So the recruitment of Cameron Smith, right? Uh, arguably the biggest coup yet for Live Golf. Undoubtedly a blow for the PGA Tour. He's a player's champion, which is the tournament of tournaments of the PGA Tour. He's the open champion. He's the world number two. And yes, I'm disappointed. And I'll, But I, on the other hand, I do accept that that money is exceedingly difficult to turn down. 
and he spoke to Evan Priest and Golf Digest and he said, well, it was a business decision, but, you know, I miss going to the rugby league with my mates and I miss weddings. Oh, I understand all that. I understand all that. But let's ignore Greg Norman's talking points about growing the game, all right, because these are just live platitudes. They all rock up at the press conferences and they, they've got their sheets in front of them and they still botch them. And I'll get on to McDowell and Westwood in a moment. But there's been so much whataboutism in this live golf debate. Yeah, I feel sad at Cam's defection, like I said, but that is his call. I don't begrudge anybody for making that call. In fact, Harold Varner III was completely honest because some people won't like me. I understand why they won't, but look, I've once-in-a-lifetime opportunity I did. Okay, fair enough. I can't knock somebody for doing that. I agree wholeheartedly that the Rebel Tour has woken the PGA Tour from its complacency. They're dragging their heels. Maybe it's arrogance. In fact, it was arrogance. It was only back in March when Monaghan said, oh, yeah, we've moved on from this. Well, they haven't because they knew that this threat wasn't going to go away. And, and that is evidenced by the moves to, to ramp up the prize money, increase the number of elevated events, mandate the top 20 players, according to the PIP, the Player Impact Program, to play together in more tournaments, to attract more eyeballs to screens and to bring in more sponsor money. But the bottom line is this. Live golf is two things. Above all, it is two things. It is a Saudi PR ploy and it's a Greg Norman vengeance project. So don't worry about, oh, growing the game and expanding new possibilities and team formats and golf like you've not seen before. Uh, it's all spin. It's all marketing. It's a Saudi PR ploy and a Greg Norman vengeance project. And, and yes, and we've discussed some of them tonight. I've heard all the counter arguments about, you know, Crash Credit FedEx doing business with Saudi Arabia. Aramco been a sponsor, our government, you know, having trade deals with the kingdom. They're, they're all false equivalences. You know, businesses can still operate independently of the government in countries with questionable human rights records. And I mentioned earlier the UN have created the, the guiding principles of business and human rights, which are basically the authoritative global standard for addressing and preventing human rights impacts associated with business activity in these countries. So it's not unfettered. So, yeah, the biggest, the most profitable company on the planet, Saudi oil company, Aramco, sponsored golf in the US. They sponsor Formula One. But the thing about it is, who the hell knows that it is? So if you see this, Aramco, I didn't know you. Google, what's that? No one knows what it is. They, they certainly don't influence the PGA's position on matters of human rights or ethics and morality. But the live players, on the other hand, they are in the Saudi shop window now. They are on the payroll. They're effectively tourist ambassadors. And for those highlighting America's moral and ethical shortcomings, well, it is also a matter of degrees, is it not? But then focusing on the product on, on the course. What is live? Really, what is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's travelling circus. Essentially the same 48 players... 54 hole events, no cut. And yeah, I know 12 of the last 26 major winners are now in live. It's a strong field in Boston. I acknowledge that. But what are they playing for? And what if they all start playing like bustards? What is the end game here? That much is not clear because there's no context to any of it. No context to any of it. But what is inescapable behind all the bells and whistles? It's a Saudi sports washing exercise. So they're happy to stump up up front like it's a startup. You need to spend money to get this thing off the ground. It's not a bottomless pit. It's not a blank check, as Greg Norman said. But I keep circling back to this point where players are directly on the PIF purse. Are they not in some way tacitly endorsing this regime? Let's be clear. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not against engagement Saudi Arabia. I believe sport can and should be a powerful vehicle for change. So if players lend their status and celebrity to affecting change in that country in exchange for their craft, then it, it has a purpose. Leverage yourself. But that is not what is happening here. Because from what we've seen and heard, they're, they're basically indifferent to it all. Gray McDowell, remember that? Oh, we're not politicians or professional golfers. And he went on to say, well, if Saudi Arabia wanted to use the game of golf as a way for them to get to where they want to be and they have the resources to accelerate that experience. I think we're proud to help them on that journey, he said. You're proud. 
that is the very definition of sports washing. And he, McDowell, along with his colleagues, are tacitly condoning it. And he complained about the backlash on online. He said it was hard to combat the moral outrage. Phil, we know, was on the receiving end of criticism from 9-11 survivor groups. Lee Westwood has unashamedly been given the middle finger to the PGA Tour. My point is this, right? It's, it's not enough to say sport and politics don't mix. Because they do. I mean, sporting organisations are businesses and they have a responsibility around human rights. Take the cash, fine. Like I said, it's hard to say no. Fine. But you made your bed, now you have to lie on it. Because we don't yet know how this will all unfold. What else will be expected from live golfers in one, two, three, four, five years' time? How will history judge thee? Because this soft power player will not come to an end. While this attention economy, you know, and by that I mean getting people to talk about it, is notionally good, and that is certainly happening because we're talking about it right now when it comes to live golf, continued attention on the bloodletting is, is anything but that. A lot more water to go under the bridge. Still fighting for official world golf rankings points. We assume that the majors won't ban them, but they might. We don't know. And then where will they be? Will they come back to the PGA Tour with their tail between their legs? There's a lot of risk in signing up. There's a lot of risk in signing up. And I'll be curious to see how it all unfolds. It's pretty nice weather, too, up and down the East Coast. I did read, though, and read and hear that there's going to be a, another La Nina this summer. Can you believe that? We've had two years of it. There's going to be a third, which is which is very rare. I think it's only happened, what, two times in the last 50-something years. Get three in a row. So it's not apparently going to be a little more friendly than last time or last season. They still get a few warm days and dry days, but it's just... You take the kids away and it's bucketing rain. You run out of stuff to do with the kids. So there's only so much iPad time you give them. Or, you know, of course, they had COVID issues last year, but you didn't want to go anywhere indoors. What do you do? Indoor playgrounds. I feel sick just thinking about them. They stink and they're grubby kids. And then you've got, you know, 10-pin bowling or, I don't know, putt-putt. There's only so many of those you can do. Go to the movies and it costs you a bloody arm and a leg as well. Tell you what, they're a lot more expensive than just taking them to the park or the beach. That is a good free day out, but if it's bucketing rain, unfortunately, can't. Anyway, spring coming up. Oh, magpie season two, just be careful. There's a few swooping in my local area, so make sure you get the cable ties on your helmets. And um, they reckon the, the the surefire way to stop them is to feed them. Yeah, you feed them, they go, oh, you look pretty friendly. But they don't forget, they got long memories, magpies. I remember when I used to walk from university and there's this little shortcut through. And it would actually say, warning, in a magpie nesting area. And each end, you'd be a big pile of sticks. So people would just grab a stick and you'd wave it around your head. Oh, I've been swooped a couple of times, drawn blood. They hurt. They hurt. So now it's, it's a sunny day. Well, you got an umbrella to stop the maggies. So just be careful. Magpie season starting up, uh, what, September, October, generally speaking. So just watch out for them, 0457. 736-736. Now, tennis champion Rafael Nadal, who dropped that first set to Australian rinky Hidjikata before winning in four, has fumed at an accusation levelled by one of the sports icons, John McEnroe, during his opening round at the US Open. So he played an Arthrash Stadium, progressed to round two. During the broadcast of the match, McEnroe and commentary for the host broadcaster ESPN in the States suggested that Nadal gets preferential treatment from the tour umpires. Ah, so this is kind of a roosters thing circling back now. The other teams get preferential. So McEnroe believes that the 22-time Grand Slam winner was offered more leniency in regard to time violation between points. Nadal was unaware of the comment until it was put to him by a journalist at his post-match press conference. He said, I think it's a joke. I went through a lot of warnings in my tennis career, never for breaking the racket, but yes, for the time clock. I have a problem. I'm sweating a lot. When you're playing a game during the very humid conditions, we have the biggest problem today. You don't have the ball boys bringing the towel to you. You've got to go get it. I don't think I have different treatment from the umpires at all. That's really interesting what McEnroe said because do you remember Nick Kyrgios made this point a number of years ago, I think, at the, at the US Open? And Nick Kyrgios is very quick between points. And it was one time he was given a time violation. And then he goes, okay, fine, but hang on, what about Rafa? And then somebody had timed it. And Rafa was well over 20 seconds or whatever the limit is between points consistently. So he's not without precedent here, John McEnroe. Not at all. 
0457 736 736. Michael from Dremoyne, good evening to you, my friend. Uh, love your show. Thank you, Michael. Did watch golf now and again, but after this cash grab, won't bother viewing anymore. Look, I'll, I'll watch tournaments that I think, so I'll certainly watch the majors. And I'll certainly watch what I can, the events that are loaded now with the top 20 players in the world, or certainly the top 20 minus Cameron Smith. <laughs> but I go back to my point, Michael, about live tournaments at the moment, and I don't know what the end game is. And I suspect there's still a lot more evolution to come. There's no context to it. So outside of golf e- ecosystem, what's the point of it? You get 48 players. A lot of them has been. tee up every week. And big upfront money, signing fees. No cuts, 54 holes. There's no merit to it. Like I said, it's, it's a travelling road show. Hey, come and have a look at Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Hey, next, let's come have a look at Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka. Well, what are they playing for? Get rid of the cash. There's no prestige to it. Now, I understand you've got to build your own history, but they are a long way behind the eight ball in this respect. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much, 0457. 736 736. That is the text line number. Yeah, I mentioned too that it was a comfortable win for the Australians uh, over Zimbabwe. They rolled for under 100 and they got it in less than 28 overs. But uh, I don't know, it's concerned for Australia. As I just clicked that, that's my computer bleeding through. You know these autoplay ads? I just look, this little ad just started playing. I feel like some come, I guess, from KFC on the, on the drive home. So apologies for that. But yeah, Australia claimed the easy win over Zimbabwe in town. So the pressure, though, does continue to mount now in Finch. It's not a great 2022. Scored one run, Finchy, caught in the slips off the bowling of Richard Ngarava. A cheap dismissal. That followed a score of 15 in the series opener. Consecutive ducks of Finch in his last two starts against Sri Lanka. That was prior to this week's matches against Zimbabwe. Recent innings list makes for unhappy reading if you're Aaron Finch. One half century in 2022. So of all opening batsmen... With at least 10 innings under their belt this calendar year, he ranks dead last in average. Lowest ODI batting average for openers in 2022, minimum 10 innings. Finch, 15.9. Then Muhammad Wazim, uh, Kushal Bertel, Matthew Cross, Max O'Dowd. you got a Scott and a Dutch player in there. So lowest ODI batting average for openers in 2022, minimum 10 innings. Finch is the lowest at 15.9. Kim Hughes said on ABC Radio, Reckons he should be dropped. He's, he just doesn't have the footwork at the moment. Australians don't drop captains easily. And, of course, here's the T20 World Cup winning captain. He'll be there. But you'd have to say that, you know, the clock is ticking on the on the career of Aaron Finch. And I love him. He's a lovely guy. What he's on, he's a, he's a beautiful hard striker, the ball clean here to the ball. But he has not been in great form for a long, long time, Aaron Finch. Now, let's run through the birthdays. Today, it is the 31st. Of August 1944, speaking of hard hitters, Clive Lloyd, a super cat, cricket about 110 tests, 7,500 runs at 46, high score 242, not out. Uh, born in Georgetown, British Guyana. I'll tell you what, I mean, he's an exceedingly heavy bat. I don't think people appreciate how good he was as a leader as well. And stuffed in the West Indies, people think it's it's one single entity. It's You're trying to balance a host of, of different disparate countries. Big heavy bat. How would he go in these this day and age with these? Oh, they're big bats, but they're feather light because they drain every ounce of moisture out of them. Pretty well, dare I say. Holger Rossick, German footballer and former soccer is coach, born today, 1948. 1955, the great 400-metre hurdler Edwin Moses, a couple of Olympic golds, uh, born in Dayton, Ohio. Serge Blanco, arguably the greatest French rugby union footballer of all time. I was actually born in Krakow in Venezuela, 1958. Uh, Indian cricketer, right arm pace bowler, Javagal Srinath, born this day, 1969. I was just showing the mad rush in a ball. In a one-day series down under where he bowled Keith Alfredon, the left-hander. Oh, what a ripper that was. Full swung late and rattled the timber. Magical ball. Uh, 1971, the great Irish golfer, Podrick Harrington, British Open winner. PGA Championship winner, Ryder Cup winner. Born in Dublin, Ireland. Andre Medvedev, Ukrainian tennis player, won four Masters events. Born in Kiev, Ukraine, 1974. Bucky, the great Chris Rogers, born today, 1977. Happy birthday to you, Bucky. And the twins, Alex and Kate Blackwell, born today, 1983. She's a lovely, I don't know Kate, I know Alex. She's a lovely individual. 1984, speaking of live golf, Charles Schwartzel. 
good swing he has too. South African golf up in the Masters winner of 2011. I remember too, it was Gow. I can't believe that was, what, 11 years ago. Paul Gow gave a tip. He says, watch out for this South African, Charles Schwartz, so we get him over 100 bucks, And he won. Well done, Gowie. Thank you. Uh, Melanie Schlanger, great Australian swimmer, born today in 1986. Chad Sayers, South Australian swing bowler, played, what, one test, Chaddy? Uh, it was after his best, too, born 1987. And a rugby league circles today, uh, oh, the great David Boyle, born 1959. Trent Hodkinson, I heard him mention, too, and Vossie and Brandy this morning. I think Missile was in for Brandy. And uh, he was born, they said, how old is Trent Hodkinson? Was he 30? Born 1988, so 33. That's my maths. No, 30, no, 34 today, Trent Hodkinson. Think about it. His memory played Origin, Hodko. And they showed him with his shirt off. He's got that sort of that wing kind of tattoo span. But he got the nipple sticking out the middle. It just looks very, very strange. Very strange. One last text before we get to a break. So much for James Hooper, the spin doctor. And he's offside of Rothfield going on about unrest and Jaden Sill wanting out when it's not the case when he was asked. Plus he came out before and said how good the talent is coming through. Thank you, 465. I know you are a passionate Dragons fan. It's interesting to make it that. I think what got people off, uh, confused is that was it Channel 9 he said, oh, Sill will go to the Dragons. And Moses Suley on Instagram had sort of put a little handshake emoji. So maybe he got sucked into, oh, is he going? Is he, oh, I wish him all the best. But that would sound alarm bells because why would that be revealed publicly before he's a teammate new or somebody like Sewell? If indeed he was leaving and had an agreement with the Dragons to to break his contract early and join Bennett at the Dolphins, he would have addressed his teammates beforehand, surely. Anyway, we'll wait and see. And good luck to my Dragons against the Broncos. I think they've got to bury their season. 0457 736 736. That is us done and dusted this Wednesday night. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution to the program. Thank you to Multi the Mad Russian, to Simon McLaughlin, the Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telegraph. We'll go off to have a spell. It's going to be a beauty tomorrow night. The Eels and the Storm struck match in it. I'll be back to wrap everything up for Higher Grant on Friday. Catch you then. Bye-bye.